hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. This is episode 2021.12. I'm Rohan Karamandi, and with me as usual, we've got Mr. Phil Hawthorne. Hey, Phil. Good morning, Rohan. How are you doing? Good. This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and ESP Home projects. Configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. All right, let's uh, let's get into it. So this episode is a little late, kind of ish. About a, a week late. Oh, yeah. what we said? Yeah, it's about a week late. I would it's, say it's about a week. Yeah, because the the releases. So generally, the home assistant releases are on the first Wednesday of the month. Now, obviously, it's you know December twenty one, and the first Wednesday this month was the first of December. Um, yeah. So there was no release. Uh, but yeah, but what's the reason for that, Ron? Why are we? Why am I talking to you so late in the month? So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, essentially, there's the new state of the open home. This time last year, that we were doing the home assistant conference, where we were, um, you know, a few people had. It was a virtual conference, obviously, because mm-hmm. of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, so yeah, it makes sense. Another year's gone by. Yeah, and that means it's time for another conference. Home Assistant is doing the uh, State of the Open Home again. Um, so the beta will be released, uh, or sorry, the the code will be released this weekend. So if you're interested, uh, so obviously we're doing a release episode today, but the Home Assistant core release isn't out as uh, this release is coming out, or is, as this episode is coming out. Correct. Um, but the State of the Open Home is on Saturday, December 11th, 2021, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, uh, which is 8 p.m. Central European Time, if you want to join in um and and interestingly Rohan, it's got a few names i must first of all say we have no idea what is going on in this conference we have no inside knowledge or anything uh, but it is hosted by uh nabucasa um featuring home assistant esp home obviously the the big projects that are run by uh, home assistant or, or nabucasa and it's also got some appearances from uh some friends including zwave js uh wled Mm-hmm. and uh, Stanford University and Northeastern University. So I think there's going to be some uh, some cool things happening or at least, you know, getting an insight into what's coming in 2022. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I think I'm I'm going to try and check it out and, you know, we'll we'll see what happens and and hopefully we can report back on what what's going on in that uh yeah. In the conference. But yeah, as I guess, uh, as I mentioned before, 2021.12 is releasing this weekend. So let's have mm-hmm. a quick uh, sneak peek at it. Um, we're on a bit of a big release to end on the year as well. Some yeah. big changes, a lot of uh, yeah fundamental changes under the hood, I think, uh, which we'll get to in mm-hmm. a second. But the big one, I think, the one I really like is the brand new configuration menu in uh, Home Assistant. So if you're familiar with the Home Assistant UI, you would have known that uh, Home Assistant has always had the material design down pat. They've leveraged yep. it heavily. Uh, and I've always felt that the configuration areas were dated and they were just standard, you know, templated area, right? Like, yeah, seen it everywhere. But no, in this release, uh, things have gotten quite the overhaul. Um, a bit of lick of paint and things have just moved around, shuffled around a bit more to make it so it's not just like this huge control panel because it was getting out of control it, it was getting bloated it's it's funny even the other day as i was trying to look at stuff it's like you know especially when you're on your phone you're kind of mm-hmm. scrolling and and all of that right so this is a more concise menu which is you know you got 
home assistant cloud, devices, automations, yep. helpers, dashboards, tags, people, and settings. Yep. It's perfect. Yeah. So everything's, you know, grouped up. There's some color in there now, which I think is also uh, right. great. So you can just know. Yeah. Just, it's those little subtle things, right? So this is definitely, you know, yeah. uh, the hires, you know, they've, they've had UI, UX designers uh, come in this year. Um, at Nebuchadnezzar, so we're seeing some, you know, some big changes to, you know, the UI finally. Yeah, and like, like all the pages underneath are still the same. Uh, it looks like at least, at least for me, playing around a little bit. Yep. Um, it's just, you know, it's just grouped instead of there being like integrations, then device, then entities. It's kind of grouped into one, and then you use the top menu, which was always there. Yep. Just to uh, navigate within that, um, within that that sub menu, I guess, right? So. Yeah. So very cool, great little change there, and I think uh, yeah, it just makes it feel a bit more fresh. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right, and uh, we've got a new class of entity as well coming, um, the button entity. So essentially, it's a button that can be pressed in Lovelace. So I don't know why I did air quotes. This is a audio podcast, so <laughs> me <laughs> me me doing gestures really serves no purpose, but. Yeah, so essentially the button entity is, um, in, the, in the past, you, like, again, I have buttons, which is, uh, I don't, there was no button entity per se, right? So in this case, there's a new button.press service, and you can actually expose that to things like Nanoleaf or Google Home or Echo or WLED, Shelly, ESP Home, whatever that is, right? It's, it's just, it's another button, right? Um, and, and it's, it's, in Home Assistant rather than an actual Lovelace or something like that, so which is nice too. Um, yeah, so this is really interesting. So I've always found that um, there's a lot of people that have always used buttons in their dashboards in Lovelace. So, for example, if you yeah. imagine people using like Lovelace's yeah. dashboard on a tablet, right, and yeah. they just needed a button, right? There's always, in fact, when Lovelace was first came out, I think one of the standard things there was the button card, right? Correct. In but it, but it typically maps to like an input boolean or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Or in the most standard case would be a script. So yeah. I, you know, before Lovelace was around, we had the the states UI where you mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. groups and all that. And if you wanted a button in your Home Assistant UI, you would basically create a script and you would press the execute or run button against that script. That was how you had a button there. Yeah. Um. So this is sort of changing things up a little bit. So, um. In, for example, the, the Nanoleaf example we've got here, I have a Nanoleaf here and there's a button in my Home Assistant now that when I press it, it will just trigger a identify against the Nanoleaf so the Nanoleaf will flash. Um, so, yeah, I think it makes sense that, you know, there are things that, you know, smart home devices have that are literally just either single-use things like identifying devices or things that trigger things but they don't have a state themselves. So yeah. Um, it, I'm surprised it's taken this long to get into Home Assistant, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like it. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if you know that's going to be something that where like again, like for example, if the Lovelace or sorry, not the Lovelace, the Nanoleaf um, integration could actually pull those buttons in or something like that, or is that is that one that you built? No, this is what. So the Nanoleaf integration exposes a button to Home Assistant. So now, right in Home and before Assistant, it was a switch or something. 
I don't even think it was there. I think it may have been just a it might have been a oh. service like service nanoleaf dot um identifier or something. Right. But now they've replaced it with this button, and made it standard across all the integrations. So instead of there being, you know, like a service for uh Google Home to do something or sorry, yeah. the Amazon Echo to do something. Yeah, it'll um, just be a button. It'll just be the, the standard button entity that has that standard service call across Home Assistant. Which is great. Yep. So which is beautiful. Yeah. That's nice. All right, there's a new area panel and area cards in Home Assistant. So if you go into the configuration page, there's the new areas section, and they're all basically in this nice card layout. And if you're familiar with Twitter Bootstrap, a card is basically like a, a Twitter Bootstrap card. Um, mate, it's like That's the easiest way I can think of it, mm-hmm. as soon as I thought it, or a material design icon card, I'm guessing. Sorry, yeah. material yeah. design card. Um, but you can also put backgrounds against those cards. So if uh, if you have areas, um, you know, like kitchen, your living room, bedroom, yeah. you can now put pictures against those areas, uh, which, you know, just depending on if you want to take a photo of your own bedroom or you want to get a nice, you know, picture of a hotel bedroom or a, a hotel kitchen or something or, a, you know, a restaurant. Yeah. Make more sense. Um, but the good thing is that these cards can also be plugged straight into your Lovelace UI as well. So, oh, interesting. Mm. So, so it's almost like so because I'm I'm looking at it right now, and it's like there's an add a picture button and whatever. Yep. So it looks like you know down the road we might see add a picture in maybe in like whatever uh, Lovelace cards that's there. Mm-hmm. Like from from a UI perspective, where where I'm doing a lot of that stuff anyways. Yep, and it pulls it through. So that'll be nice. Mm, very nice. Very cool. Um. Z-Wave JS, um, or Z-Wave JS, depending on whatever you say. Um, so you can now uh, link Z-Wave devices to Home Assistant by scanning a QR code. Um, so it's part of a new specification, or I guess not new specification, a recent specification called um, Smart Start. So with Z-Wave compatible devices or Z-Wave compatible devices, you basically just take, um, I guess it would be the app, or I guess the page could theoretically do it if it uses your camera. And yeah, I mean, do you essentially scan it? I'm going to assume it's the Home Assistant app that would do this. I had yeah. no idea uh, there was even Z-Wave Smart Start, to be honest. I don't have any Z-Wave devices that have a QR code yeah. on them. So obviously it must be a pretty recent standard. But the fact that, you know, Home Assistant supports it um, just shows, you know, the power of open source, you know, software as opposed to, uh, you know, devices and proprietary home automation systems that mm-hmm. may not support this ever because, you know, they're locked down or they can't support it for whatever reason. So, yeah. Very cool. Uh, something I'm excited for, so whenever I get a chance to start playing with Blueprints properly, uh, is they now support scripts. So great for sharing scripts around in the community. So if you have a whole bunch of code that needs to be reused, you can now define that in a script and add it to your blueprint and share it around with everyone. Nice. Um, Pi-hole, if you use that. Um, so the Pi-hole integration now has an updates uh, sensor. So Home Assistant itself can actually prompt you to upgrade your version of Pi-hole. Yeah, which I think is kind of cool. Right? Home Assistant can tell you, hey, I've got a new update to block those extra ads you've been seeing recently. Exactly, so. exactly. Pretty neat. Uh, Android TV notifications now get icon support. So you can now send a custom icon into the notification, just how the official mobile app sends an icon from the app that submitted the um, notification. The icon can be any kind of image supported by Android TV, 
and will be displayed on the left of the notification. So if you're an Android TV user, that's very cool. You can have a different icon depending on if the washing machine's finished or if someone's at the front door. That's pretty cool. All right. Let's talk about some new integrations. Um, I love the name of this. Um, so Evil Genius Labs. Paulus himself contributed to this uh, integration. So basically it lets you control Evil Genius artworks, electronic artworks. So mm-hmm. it's essentially um, it comes in as a light platform. And yeah, you can do some pretty neat things. So Have you seen these? They're like little ESP-based art design thing yeah i'm you know, i'm actually i'm actually watching the youtube video which is i'm convinced trying to hypnotize me right now <laughs> that's it that's it but um yeah it's pretty cool i like yeah. it i think they're neat yeah and pretty simple right like just a little sp board some leds and yeah where you go yeah. making some little nice art i think it's cool mm. uh here's another integration that i was surprised has taken this long to get into home assistant is yeah. the jellyfin uh, servers. So uh, Jellyfin servers are now exposed as a media player to Home Assistant. Currently, mm-hmm. only music is supported, but I believe they have added support for the media browser as well. So yeah, you can now go in uh, if you've got a Jellyfin server set up in your home and cast your music around the house. There you go. Sweet as. All right, RDW. So um, I guess this is the DMV equivalent or vehicle authority equivalent in the Netherlands. Um, so the integration looks mm. up a registered vehicle um, in the Netherlands, so any Dutch registered vehicle, um, by the license plate number and keeps that information in Home Assistant. So it creates a couple of sensors. So things like, you know, if you need to get your car checked for your, um, you know, like periodic inspection for certification to drive the car and things like yep. that. I'm guessing like emissions testing and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's pretty neat. It's a, it's a good reminder thing. Um, hopefully it also tells you when to renew your license sticker, which, uh, I apparently did not do at some point. You're joking. Oops. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's definitely on my list of things to do today. Uh, did so, you get fine for it? No, no. Luckily, luckily I haven't, uh, I, I, I caught it, um, mm-hmm. and not a police officer of some kind. Uh, here the fine is like more expensive than if you just pay for the registration right oh here here as well here as well it's yeah pretty pretty bad um i do like that in the netherlands like this information is just like as long as you know the registration plate of a car you can just look up anyone's you know in, have they done the inspection recently on their car like i guess like it's not personal information but i don't know it just weirds me out that that yeah is available right i'm kind of surprised and, and from a europe perspective it's Especially kinda, with GDPR and privacy laws and all exactly, that. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I guess it's a good thing, but it's also not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Rahan, this might be one for you. Um, you there is now the mm-hmm. Tesla wall connector. Uh, so that is, and I like this as the selling point, is an efficient and convenient home charging solution that lets you plug your vehicle in overnight and start your day start your day charged um, it's, I, I don't know if you typed that up or if you copied and pasted that phil but that is uh if i it sounds I, like I a believe, tesla representative wrote that up it did i, I copied and pasted it from the uh, integration docs page um which i assume has been copied and pasted from a tesla uh page somewhere but yeah there are binary sensors for when your car is charging um also interestingly um the handle temperature 
I don't know why you want to know that. Like, I'm guessing that gets hot. If, if that's it, the thing. I've never felt it hot, but I mean, it's c- cool. I, I, I guess now I know <laughs> that it can get hot. I don't know. Uh, maybe I misinterpreted the, the code in, in Home Assistant. But um, yeah, and there's also uh, how much electricity the wall charger is using as well. So it's mm. interesting that Tesla has been one of those integrations um, that has been on and off again with Home Assistant. I know like there was the Tesla integration with Home Assistant that got pulled because the API to the cars, you know, sort of there's authentication issues, so they pulled that. Yeah. I can't remember if the Tesla um like the wall panels, like the solar battery chargers that they have. Um if I think that was at one point an integration in Home Assistant. It maybe maybe it still is. It's, it's still yeah. there. It's still I I just tried to set up the uh the wall connector. Um yeah. Yep. But yeah, so I saw the I saw the other panel there too, but yeah. or the battery, sorry. Um, but yeah, like it's this is interesting. The wall connector created thirteen uh, different entities for this, so I guess oh, phase A, phase B, phase C, yeah. voltage, current, and then grid voltage to handle temperature. You're right. So there is there is it's currently seven degrees Celsius, seven point one degrees Celsius. Wow. Okay. Good That's to know. How old are you? uh yeah it's uh starting to get there it's <laughs> it was uh snowing like crazy yesterday so lovely all right let's talk some breaking changes uh so as we we're talking about before with that new configuration panel uh supervisor panel has been moved mm-hmm. um if you're running has os or have access to the supervisor panel it's been merged into the configuration panel as part of the UI overhaul. So, yeah, once the, that, that's what we're talking about before, like with the sprawling screens, right? You know, yep. just all the buttons eventually growing, growing, and growing. Now they've just been condensed. So that's good. Which is which is great. I mean, it's to me, that should be there anyways, right? So that's where it's part of the settings and it's part of the configuration. So yeah, makes sense. Um, the customization UI is gone. Um, so, you know, if you remember that in the front end, before um i don't even know how to describe it it was there and now it's not (laughs) (laughs) it's already out of your mind right uh so the yaml yaml configuration for this is uh recommended to use um and still is available um which is which is i don't know how i feel about that because i feel like it's almost a step back right when we're Mm. trying to do that um so the and, and and I have used the UI version of this and I do like it. So essentially yep. it's like if a entity posts itself as one thing, hey, you know what? I want you to actually be something else. So let's say it comes in as a moisture sensor and I want it to be, I don't know, a temperature sensor. So something like that, right? That yep. and it's a really dumb example, but you know that's that's kind of the idea there, right? Is to be able to customize a lot of those kind of things. Um, I I think that's still there's I'm kind of surprised that that's yeah. Am I am I mistaking this? So what they've done is I think they've moved that into the UI. So if you so um, you need to change like for example a cover or a door contact. Um, you know, like how you get the door window sensors, you can have it as a window or a door. Yeah. If you need to change that type of class. You can do that now. Um, when you go in and edit the entity in the UI, which makes sense where it should, like I've always thought it should be there. Exactly. So they've moved that there. But I think for any other advanced customizations that you're doing in, that you would generally do in YAML anyway, they've moved, pushed that back into the YAML. And because otherwise you have to create like a thousand different iterations of the customized entity, uh, the customized UI. Right, right, right. right. 
Right. Oh, okay. I do. I do see some of it. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah, because I can go in and I can say, okay, this is a like I can change the icon and stuff, but I can't. Yep. Um, like I, I have a door sensor that I'm looking at right now, and I can show it as a window, a door, a garage door, or other. Oh. Um, I, and and maybe I just haven't looked at this in a while, and it's there, it's but it. yeah. Um, you know, it is, it is still pretty interesting where you can actually go in and actually say, this is a door. So show us a door. Um, I don't know why it wouldn't have been that before. Cause I'm pretty sure I had that set, but yeah, I guess that's different. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It shows as other, but my icon is still a door. So I don't know what that is. Hey everyone. I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy video lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy video lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy video lock, that's E-U-F-Y video lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. But you might have, like, if you've got a customized icon in a YAML somewhere to make it a door, maybe? Oh, maybe. I don't even remember what I do these days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah I think so. in the new year I'm going to start again, right? Uh, it's just... Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm way past that point. I'm, I'm not starting <laughs> again. I'm not. <laughs> part of it is like you know what it's it's almost like you need to just to relearn the changes and stuff because even for us like i find that i mean phil you and i talk about this every release yep yep right and um i'm still like i still find things and i was like oh that's cool you can do that and i was like wait we probably talked about this <laughs> and you just don't you just don't like until until it comes to a point where you, you're actually using that you don't really think to do it to use it or care to use yeah. it right yeah totally so all right. But yeah. So Android TV, we mentioned before that Android TV now supports icons for notifications. Previously for Android TV, you were able to send an image into the Android TV notification. For example, you know, you might have a doorbell that um, has a camera and you might send a screen grab of the feed from that camera to your Android TV. Mm-hmm. To prevent that image now coming as a little icon, uh, into your notification, you will need to update your automations or your scripts so that uh, you send the right key for that data structure. So the file option has been renamed to image uh, so as to properly identify what you're sending with the notification. So yeah, if you are using that particular use case or any particular or any use case where you need a larger image to display on Android TV, just watch out for that breaking change. So, i.e., if you're doing something like, hey, send a camera snapshot or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you might want to just make sure you're not sending it as an icon now. Yeah, cool. Sonos, um, Phil, one of your favorite topics here. So the mm-hmm. set option service has been removed um, along with the base level and treble level. 
um, on the media player entities. So I guess um, there's dedicated entities now uh, to control those uh, base and trouble adjustments. That's fair. I have no, I don't know why you'd want to automate those. Um, I'm perfectly, I, I, I don't even think I've adjusted what the standard base and treble settings are on mine, but yeah, I guess if you have a use case, maybe at night time, if you want to turn the base right down, that make, makes sense. Actually, that's probably good automation I could add in. Or or turn it up to give yourself a massage. Ah, see, that's what, yep. Right? There you go. And we actually have some uh, integrations leaving us uh, this release. So mm-hmm. bye-bye to Dyson, IOTA, and my Chevrolet. The one that surprises me here, Rohan, is actually Dyson. Uh, I have yeah. a Dyson Pure Hot and Cool fan. Mm-hmm. My fan is graded into Home Assistant for quite some time. And I actually... Well, not anymore. Maybe about... Well, no, you, you'd think that, but about six months ago, maybe even longer, I, in the, in Hacks, so the Home Assistant Community Store, yeah. there is a Dyson local component, um, which I've used because, you know, obviously I want to try and keep things away from the cloud. Yep. Uh, and it has been working brilliantly. I think there's, you know, you just put in the Wi-Fi SSID and the password that your Dyson has on the sticker. Right. And it yeah, it knows how to connect to the local MQTT on your Dyson fan or Dyson device and control it there. And it has been rock solid. So nice. Um yeah, if you are using if you are a bit annoyed at the Dyson component, which I don't think has been working apparently according to the the release notes that I saw, um the, the GitHub pull request I saw. So if you are a bit annoyed that your Dyson fan is no longer supported in home business, there are alternatives out there and I'd be. I'm very pleased with the the local Dyson component. If there is a way to get that as a, an official integration into Home Assistant, I would be a very much an advocate for that because yeah, the guys that have done work on that, a brilliant job there. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. That that is a bit surprising because I know even the Dyson that I, again Dysons are fairly popular, right? So I would have assumed yeah. that. Um, yeah. I guess. I guess not. So. All right. So. Uh, Ron, I want to have a chat. Like, so last year we did a, I think we did a cloud strikes again sort of thing. And this time it was when Apple bought uh, Dark Sky and they basically immediately mm-hmm. bought Dark Sky and then that's it. We're shutting it down. See you later. And I think they gave people until the uh, end of that year and then it got extended to July this year. I've, I actually read because I have Dark Sky added into my uh, home assistant and yeah. I. I've just left it there, right? So I'll eventually stop working and I'll deal with it then. Um, but uh, I just read on their website now it's going to be available. They're going to keep the API until the end of 2022. So I've got a year from today to move over to a different cloud provider. Right. They're not accepting any new API key applications. So if you are wanting to use Dark Sky for Home Assistant and you haven't used it before, you can't do that today. Uh, so they are phasing it out. Yeah. Um, I was really interested to see in this release in 2021.12 for Home Assistant, uh, long-term statistics support has been added for Dark Sky as well. So people are still, you know, work using the API, loving the API enough to keep yeah. contributing features for it. But yeah, I, I want to know, uh, especially from you, Ryan, what are you using for weather in Home Assistant? Are you even using weather as you know what? part of your I automations? Just added it on, I guess, like three days ago. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't use it in any automations today. Um, but okay. I just added the AccuWeather um, integration. Yep. Um, for the longest time, actually, the Ecobee, um, or Ecobee, um integration had a, essentially a climate 
component to it, like a, like a sorry, a weather component to it, um, yep, yep. rather. And it might actually still be there. I have no idea. Um, but I, I don't use it. I don't know why I even added the AccuWeather one in and I saw it and I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, I should add this. And, you know, it, it's, I, 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 I do personally, I use the app. I use the AccuWeather app. Yep. But yeah, uh, it's, it's, I don't, I don't really have a need for a weather component today, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any weather based automations or anything like that to say, hey, if it's, you know, raining, then do this. I don't. I don't really have any of that, but yeah. So, yeah. That's yeah. Fair enough. How, how well, about you? Like, yeah, I know you're. You said you're using Dark Sky. Have you found an alternative? Have you? Well, I, I want to improve it, right? So, obviously, I'm down here in Australia. So, maybe October, September. We discussed on this podcast uh, mm-hmm. the bomb Bureau of Meteorology mm-hmm. uh, integration got removed from Home because it was using web scraping, which wasn't allowed. Yeah. Um, as part of the new Home Assistant component requirements. And it is available. There is a, a bomb. There's a couple of bomb uh, integrations available in the community store, uh, which I may move over to, but I don't think they provide. One of the good things I like about Dark Sky is the, the forecast. So, you know, for the weather card, I can get the seven day forecast. I don't think uh, Bomb does that. Um, oh, yeah, I also yeah, had, yeah. Um, and annoyingly, so this. This is what um, I have uh, an app on my phone from my bank. And when there's a severe weather alert um, in my city, they will, they, they send a push notification to my phone, right? You know, like uh, your, the other day bank? we had, yeah, my bank, I know, right? Well, it's their banking and insurance, right? So they're basically like, Hey, there's a thunderstorm oh. coming, get your car in the garage. Cause we don't want to pay for you to have hail damage on your car. Right. So, um, okay. okay. So I, I always get those alerts. I'm like, Oh, they're obviously getting the data from somewhere. Um, where are they getting that data from? So I started doing a whole bunch of, when that alert came, I just had some free time when the latest thunderstorm came through. I was like, that's it. I'm going to go and I activated a whole bunch of weather components trying to see what uh, services have a, like a binary sensor that exposed to home assistant to say that there's an alert or something going on. Um, but none of them unfortunately worked for Australia at least. So that was annoying. And the bomb integration that I can see in the hacks doesn't support it, but there is uh, going through some uh, pull requests and discussions on some of those uh, integrations. There is a way that I can call uh, the government's, you know, the, the bombs API and, and basically make a rest sensor out of it if I mm-hmm. want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping to throw it out to the community. What are you using for, your weather component have you found weather to be uh reliable i know i'm always for whatever reason home assistant seems to be a couple of degrees off whatever the forecast is for the day um you know i'll hear my announcement for the morning say it's going to be you know 24 degrees today and then i'll get in the car and the radio say hey it's going to be hot and no 29 today Uh, oh wow okay Okay, that's a bit of a discrepancy a bit of a discrepancy yeah same with uh, the amazon echo though right like i don't know where the weather services are just getting their discrepancies from but um yeah obviously you know being five degrees is a bit of a difference but yeah happy to throw it out to the community feedback it has podcast on let me know uh with the dark sky closing down you've got a year to go now but what how are you moving over to or what have you moved over to um and how are you finding it yeah that's interesting yeah it's and and you know as part of that too i'd love to know you know more for my my knowledge what are you doing with this weather mm-hmm. automations essentially right 
So I know. So obviously, I brought up the topic, so I'll give you a couple of mine. So I'm using. Yeah. Um, so I, I mentioned before, I've got the Nanoleaf canvas in my house. So if it's going to be raining today, um, in the morning, I will have a the Nanoleaf canvas will have like a rain pattern. Um, just yeah. to give me like a visual cool. cue that hey, it's going to rain today. Maybe take your umbrella if you're going outside. Yeah. And also, you know, depending on the temperature, if it's hot outside, you know, if the temperature goes over, I think it's 29 degrees, it closes the blinds of the house just to keep the sun out and try and Neat. keep the heat okay. out of the house. Um, and, okay. Yeah, and same thing, like uh, if it's hot, if it's a hot day um, and it's hot inside, then turn the air conditioner on when the, all the doors close and stuff like that. Right, right, right. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah, that's a good one because for my my AC automations and stuff are all done by like – whether the door is physically left open or not, right? Mm. So, like, if the door is yep, open yep. for, like, three minutes, then turn off the AC or turn off the heater or whatever yep. um, until such a time that it goes back on. So, or How do you know what again. to turn on, though? Like, how does it know to turn on the AC or to turn on the heat? So, there's a couple of things that I do. So, at first, I just said, you know, I'm just going to permanently leave it on auto. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like I mentioned, I have an Echo B at home. Um, but I actually did a thing where <laughs> it's it's probably way more complicated than it needs to be in typical Rohan fashion. Welcome to but, the Home Assistant Podcast. <laughs> oh my God, I know, right? And so so instead, what I'm doing is I actually scrape the current state, uh, it's not state, uh, the current um, setting. So if it's like mm-hmm. cool um, heat, or I think they call it heat cool or cool heat or something like that for, for auto. Yeah. Um, so I look at the current state and based on that, I will hold that in a... Um, input text sensor mm-hmm. and then dump it back. So let's say the door is open. So it says, okay, you know what? It's currently set to cool. So I'm going to hold that. And then when the door closes again, it's going to say, um, okay, check what the last um, setting was. It was cool. And then set it to cool again. Okay. Interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I found yeah. that, it worked and then it didn't work and then it worked again. So I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> I'm good with this. <laughs> Just don't touch it. Yeah. Net, net result is it still works. I think I yep. hope I haven't looked at it in a while, but I'm, I'm assuming it does. But, uh, but yeah, it's, I, I did that in node red and, um, it is a very large automation. I bet. I bet. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and then that is that for my automation there. Yeah. So, Phil, at the, I don't know, at some point, one of these episodes, uh, we talked about a new show. We did. Yeah. You know, just as a little bit of an update, um, and because we've been asked on Twitter a couple of times, hey, what's happening with this? And, you know, so on. It is coming. Um, It's going to be called All Things Smart Home. And uh, just between the two of us, I mean, it's both of us have had, you know, a few life events and stuff happen um, since, uh, since that. Yeah, I mean, congratulations. I mean, that's a few life events. You got married, mate. Like, yeah, I did. I you, did. <laughs> you, you somehow managed to. We announced the show, then you somehow go, Oh, yeah, by the way, I'm getting married. And it's like an X well, amount of was, weeks. It and, was, by the way, <laughs> I got engaged. And then, oh, by the way, I'm getting married. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, Thank yes, you. obviously. Yeah. Uh, pretty big uh, life events happening. And obviously, I've got some that we'll talk more about in the new year but mm-hmm. uh, yeah i think we uh we have uh we've been trying to get this thing off for quite some time um Hannah and i've talked yeah. about it for some time really we are time. definitely still doing our you know brand and i love talking everything smart home so uh there is going to be a show about it we're going to be live streaming we're just going to be 
talking more freely than what we do here. But it's not going to be home business and focus. We're going to talk about everything smart homes, uh, whole ecosystems yeah. around smart home. So, yeah, if you want to, you can follow us on. We've got a dedicated Twitter. We've got a dedicated YouTube channel, Twitch channel that you can follow. And, yeah, we will obviously let you know when we're going to do it in the new year sometime. Yeah, and we'll post all that information as yeah. well. Now, Rahan, before we go, I yeah. have got something, a little little task for you for okay. the last, last because this is our last release episode of the year, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to uh, paste something. I'm going to send you something in the in your chat here. Okay. This is a, a template that I want you to just um, run in your home assistant, and then I will uh, explain what's going on. So uh, a couple of weeks ago now, maybe three weeks ago, just after our last release episode, um, user Flat5 submitted a thread on Reddit asking everyone, how many automations do you have in Home Assistant? Yeah. Um, oh, I've actually and, got the stat already without, with that. Oh, awesome, <laughs> awesome. Wow. Um, I like it, I like it. <laughs> I hope it's not a low number. Um, so it, then, it, uh, yeah. It is, and there's a reason why. Oh, no. Okay, okay. So uh, then user sometimes Scott uh, provided the template, which I will leave in the show notes. I'll just uh, send that to you, Rohan. Um, and you can just plug that into the template area of your developer tools. So, yeah, Rohan, I'm interested to know how many do you have. I'll tell you how many I have, and we can have a little chat about, you know, why why that is. So, so I've got 23, majority of which are disabled. So the reason is because I moved to Node-RED, if you remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Node-RED is actually doing most of my automations, except the webhook ones. Um, mm. And the only reason for that is literally just <laughs> because I didn't do it yet. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. And that's interesting. And that sort of echoes a lot of the responses in uh, that th- Reddit thread as well, right? Like a lot of people saying, yep, I've only got X amount of automations, but I moved a lot of my stuff over to Node-RED or I'm using, yeah. you know, um, yeah, something else for my automation engine. So yeah, app daemon definitely or something. The, yeah. yeah. Now, I it's not meant to be a, a pissing contest by any means, um, yep. uh, but I will tell you my numbers, which I was quite surprised at. And I have also just disabled a whole bunch this week for various reasons as well. Um so you've got to remember, I'm running three instances of Home Assistant at home. Um, so the grand total is 391. Wow. Um, split from 362 in my main instance, eight in uh, my, basically my hub for the cloud uh, instance, and 21 mm-hmm. for my little local area network hub instance of Home Assistant, which I thought would be pretty standard. I looked at the Reddit thread. I don't think anyone ha- had as high amount as that. Um, so I think yeah. all that tells me, and I'm not, I don't mean to say, Hey, my automations, you know, coming to my home, like I'm going to be like Tony Stark, you know, yeah, 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 my yeah, house yeah. Is not to that level. Right. Um, I think it's just the fact that, and this highlights to me that the way I'm using home business and automations might be a little bit incorrect. Wrong. I may need to, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I could just create automations when I may be able to just condense them down. Like for example, mm. I have a whole bunch of automation, like there's one automation that will mark, um, you know, like we'll do stock inventory for one product in my grocery instance, yep. right? But there's like four automations to track my presence when I could, maybe I could convert that down to one automation and use right. the conditions and logic in there a bit better. But yeah, I was very surprised um, just at the number of automations. Obviously, I think someone uh, in that Reddit thread said, you know, no one started with, you know, 257 automations you know everyone builds up slowly over time their automation so yeah if you're interested yeah. there's the template we'll leave it in the show notes um yeah that was yeah. a cute little exercise for the end of the year 
Yeah. I, 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 it's funny because I actually use this and I, and I've talked about it before is like building that like status dashboard kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So I, I actually have a sensor count as well to see, uh, you know, how many binary sensors and overall sensors and things like that, that I have. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, currently it's 253 sensors, 250 binary sensors. Wow. No, 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 no. 46 binary, 253 sensors as a whole, which actually I don't think is too much. I mean, cause you look at like any average application, it's like, or any average integration has like, you know, anywhere from one to like 15 sensors. Right. So, yeah. So then, so how many, so how many sensors, sorry, was that just, uh, sensors overall was 253. Okay. And that includes binary sensors. That includes, yeah. Sensors of all kind. Okay. Right. So I've got a little bit more, um, but obviously yeah. with the, yeah, that makes sense. I had 236 when this, when the recording of this podcast started. Since then, I fixed my AccuWeather one and I added the <laughs> Tesla Powerwall one. Or not the Powerwall, sorry, the Tesla um, charger. So just so. based on that, what do you do using that information for? Like, is it just... so you Literally know, nothing. You, literally nothing, just to look yeah. at it and say, yeah, I'm tracking 294 metrics in my home for no reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what's happening, yes. Um, uh, yeah. But, you know, I actually think that would be like a cool stat um, if it's not somewhere in the UI already, but maybe even with these, you know, configuration UI updates in Home Assistant that they've done, surely they could have like, maybe it's in the info panel actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, this sounds like something that would be in the info panel. Um, but, you oh, know, just maybe. the number of, you know, uh, devices and, and status, like sensors you're using. I have a feeling I've seen this somewhere. I reckon it's going to be in the info panel. Yeah, it would make sense. Oh, there's like there's like Lovelace numbers and stuff like that. Um, just trying to see system health. Yeah, I don't see it. That's interesting. I would have, I could have sworn I've seen. I've seen it. I can see there's twenty installed repos from like hacks and stuff like that. But yeah. this is, this is stuff that specific integrations are putting in, right? Like AccuWeather says that it can reach my server. Okay. Um, yeah, so I would be. Yeah, I'm surprised that it's not in there actually, because this would be like a cool little metrics somewhere in the home system mm-hmm. UI to have. You know, like how many automations is is this instance of home system running? How many sensors, entities, areas? You know, that could be you know yeah. cool for yeah. someone to look at. But um, we're just thinking out loud now. Um, it is the end of the year, so so this is obviously the last release for 2021. Um, the first release for Home Assistant in 2022, currently looking at the development calendar, it is the uh, the beta release will come out on the 26th of January with a Home Assistant core release uh, going out on the 2nd of February. Now, I'm, that may be just because they haven't yep. decided if they're going to do a Home Assistant release, you know, early January or not. We obviously will be there if there is one, if uh, they do announce a home assistant release in January. We will be there. Otherwise, we'll have a couple of episodes launching in January. We've also got one more episode for the year. We've got a spotlight to finish off the year with. Um, very yep. interesting chat. So uh, we'll launch that in the next couple of weeks. So look out for that one too. But otherwise, Rohan, it has been another pleasure working with you for this year on the on the podcast. Likewise. Uh, stay safe. And thank you, everyone, for listening and, and keeping with us. Uh, we will be back in the new year. That's right. And again, from my side as well, huge thank you to everybody and, and, and Phil. I mean, you do a ton for this as well. So really, really appreciate it. Merry Christmas, mate. Cheers. Merry Christmas. Cheers. 
if you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io. 